Welcome to the Money Answer Show with host Jordan Goodman. Whether you are starting out, deep into your retirement, or somewhere in between, the Money Answer Show has the know-how to help you. Now here's your host, Jordan Goodman. Welcome to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Grant Sabatier. He is the uh, creator of the Millennial Money website and the author of a new book called Financial Freedom, A Proven Path to All the Money You Will Ever Need. Welcome to the Money Answer Show, Grant. Hey, glad to be here, Jordan. So let's just start. We're going to go into more detail, but just briefly, uh, your history leading into uh, writing this book. Yeah, so my financial story really begins at the age of 24 when I, like a lot of millennials, you know, I graduated college, didn't quite know what I wanted to do with my life, so I bounced around a number of different jobs, everything from, you know, working at a call center where I analyzed, uh, you know, customer service agents complain all day to doing research at an industry uh, newspaper and never quite found the right fit. And at the age of 24 was unfortunately completely broke and had to move back home uh, with my parents and, and into the same room that I'd had since I was a, a seven year old kid. So that's where my financial journey began, I would okay. say. And uh, that was, that was kind of rock bottom for me. Okay. And then you were sitting there in your room where you grew up, uh, what just, and you talk about it in the book a little bit, but what was your process of kind of changing things to uh, be able to move forward? Yeah, I think the biggest thing that I did, or the first thing, was really look around. I saw my parents were stressed out about money. I was obviously stressed out about money. All my friends seemed to be stressed out about money. And, uh, you know, I asked a pretty simple question, you know, what, what is money really? And, you know, I consider myself a, you know, a relatively smart guy and was like, you know, what is money and can I figure this thing out? I mean, I really had nothing to lose and went back and started looking at, you know, I made a list of everything I'd been taught about money and went kind of pretty systematically one by one and dug into as much info as I could find on, is this true? Is this not true? Um, most of what I found uh, was, you know, that the, the money world's kind of full of scammy advice and a lot of people trying to take your money and take your time. And so I had to dig a little bit deeper in some areas, but came out the other end and, and realized, you know, money's simply a human invention, how we think about money, how we embed it with our emotions and our dreams and our desires is, is, is a pretty uniquely 20th century creation. And so started looking at why do we think the way we think about money and, and, you know, breaking down all those things that I'd been taught and pretty quickly realized that a lot of what I'd been taught about money was either outdated, you know, it just, it just didn't work anymore or it was completely wrong. And so that got me on this path of reading and consuming as much as I could about money, entrepreneurship, uh, but, you know, I was still unemployed, and so I did have to find a new job and realize that in order to do that, I was going to need a completely new skill set. So I just happened to stumble upon Google Advertising and that I could get certified by Google for free to run Google ad campaigns. And so I went down that route, got Google certified, and after applying to over 200 jobs and not getting a single call back, the first job that I applied to once I had this free Google certification, I got and started a completely new career at the age of 24. Very good. What is different about the millennials' view of money and their situation than previous generations going through their 20s and 30s? Yeah, I think that the the sad thing, maybe sad or inspiring, depending upon how you look at it, is it's never been easier in history to make money. 
uh, or at least enough money to live a life that you love. And at the same time, people have never been more stressed out about money. And I think millennials in general, uh, there's two camps. There's the entrepreneurial millennial who goes out and sees and finds uh, new ways to make money, whether it's online or offline. You know, we're, we're disrupting and reinventing, uh, you know, old industries. And then uh, there's millennials who um, see an increasingly sort of fast-moving world and a lot of those things that they were taught or we were taught growing up, um, uh, you know, kind of specialize in one thing, become a niche expert, you know, all these things that, that we've been taught our whole lives just don't really kind of hold true. And so there's a whole other group of millennials that instead of playing in the game have just been sitting on the sidelines. And so that's a lot of the work that I do is trying to just get as much of this information out to as many people as possible to, to, to help not only, you know, share it, but show people how all of these creative ways to make money that didn't exist five, ten years ago are making it increasingly easier for, uh, you know, to, to make enough money to go live a life that you want and, and, and really at its core, define success for yourself. Because I think that's one of the things I grew up with was just kind of one path and one version to success, which was get a job, save 5% of your income, you know, work for the next 40, 45 years, and hopefully you'll have enough money to then be able to retire. That was the only path that I had kind of known. And it's cool because now there's more and more people every day. I'm getting emails, Jordan, from people who, you know, are retiring at 27, 30, 35, you know, just in the most creative ways. And, and that's just the coolest thing to see. And, and, and I'm excited that more of those stories are starting to get out now. Now, you went through college, and a lot of people are graduating with huge amounts of student debt. Uh, is that something that people should reevaluate, whether they should go to college at all and take on all this debt, which in many cases would take them 30 years to pay off? Absolutely. So one of the things that I'm happy to see is this idea of the gap year is is growing in popularity. And so it used to be something that was only reserved for the affluent where, you know, certain kids would take a year off before they went to college. But I'm seeing increasing numbers of people who, because they're skeptical of student loan debt, because they don't know what they want to do, they're taking some time to figure that out before deciding whether to go to college or not. And that's something that I couldn't recommend uh, enough is just taking that year, just taking a little bit of time to figure out, okay, you know, I was 18. I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. Very hard to know what you want to do with your life. So take that pressure off a little bit and focus on, instead of just going right to college or going right to school, focus on building some skills uh, that you can, you know, monetize, get an internship, get into an industry, uh, any way that you can to learn the ropes, start from the ground floor. I do see a lot of younger people uh, somewhat entitled, uh, thinking that, oh, you know, because I worked hard, because I grew up a certain way, I deserve a certain salary or a certain job, you know, right out of college or right out of high school. And I always encourage people, even coming out of high school, just try to get into the industry that you want to be in any way that you can. Um, you know, put in the time, make the connections, build the skills, and then after you've done that for six months to a year, then decide: does college or some form of continued education help me uh, get to where I want to get, or you know, is is it not going to be worth the expense? So you're saying for some people, maybe more than a lot of people. College does not make sense to go through the whole academic thing. 
because it gets them out without the skills you're talking about, kind of the practical skills, and then they're loaded with debt. Is that right? Yes. I mean, I you know, college is not just a way to prepare yourself for a future career. It's also a great place to grow as a person and as a human and have a lot of fun. I mean, there's so many benefits to college beyond just preparing yourself for a job. But I think you need to weigh those with just the expense and the cost. I mean, if you're going to a state school and you're able to go for free, that's a, an entirely different scenario than having to take out $150,000 in student you know, loan debt to go to the private college down the street. Those are two extreme differences. And so, I mean, there's really not a one-size-fits-all approach to this. Um, but I, I do think generally it's worth building some skills and trying to make money and trying to live on your own outside of a traditional college experience if that's something that interests you and excites you. Um, a lot of the jobs today in the digital economy, they don't require college degrees increasingly. Uh, and so, you know, a lot of the people even that Google are hiring now as entry-level employees, they don't need college-level degrees. And we were talking about, you know, one of the largest tech companies in the world. And so focus on building skills. So that's everything, like diversifying your skill set. I always say that skills are future currency. So no matter what you're going to do, learn how to build a website, learn how to run Google campaigns, learn how to run Facebook campaigns, uh, learn about design and branding, all these things that you can learn literally for free on YouTube, uh, and then start playing around with them. Um, you know, don't just wait. Far too many people wait. They go to college. They wait four years, try to figure it out. They get out the other end. They don't necessarily have the skills that they uh, want to, to or can monetize. And so uh, get creative and um, see how college fits within that. We're going to get into some detail about how people can do side hustles, as you talk about. You consider yourself part of the FIRE movement, right, which is the financial independence, retire early movement? Is that part of the movement that you're part of these days? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's something, you know, increasingly younger people, I mean, all FIRE really means is, you know, all, all I think the movement's really about is defining success for yourself uh, and, and choosing to live life on your own terms. So in that case, yes, I'm very much a part of the FIRE movement. Uh, and, and that's where a lot of these great success stories are coming out of people who are, are choosing to you know, live life differently and, and doing really amazing things uh, because of it. There's two parts of the FIRE movement. There's getting income growing faster, and there's also cutting your expenses, and in many cases not taking on expenses that people would have had with houses and cars and all that. Is, is that the way you see it, as it's kind of a two-pronged way to retire early? Yeah, I mean, there's there's kind of saving money and uh, you know cutting back your expenses, and then there's making money. The challenge is there's a limit to how much you can cut back. I mean, no matter how many roommates you want to get, uh, you know what kind of crappy car you want to drive, not even having a car, there, there's always going to be kind of a, a, a ceiling to how much you know you can cut back uh, and live on. But really, because of the time that we live in, there's not a limit to how much money that you can make, and so. That that income side of the coin, you know, this kind of the the expenses and then the income side. The income side of the coin is is the reason it's never been easier to 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 make enough money to to make this and you know, retire early, become financially independent. You know, what, whatever you want to call it. But yeah, I, I I definitely think those are kind of two sides to the same coin. What are some of the resources people can find at your website, which is millennialmoney.com? 
Yeah, so Millennial Money uh, is is my personal blog. It, it traces my journey. Um, I started the blog in 2015, shortly after becoming financially independent. So it's really a reflection on that whole process. Uh, the the t- tips that I use, the strategies. There's a lot of people that I've profiled who have really amazing side hustles. There's people who are all different ages choosing to live life on their own terms. I've profiled a lot of those people. And then there's the nitty gritty of, you know, the two biggest questions I get are, you know, how did you do this and how can I do this? And those, the answers to those two questions were much too long for a blog post, even though I tried. Um, I've written over 400,000 words on the blog. And so, you know, everything from a 13,000 word post that breaks out the exact investment strategy that I used and what I invested in when and how you can do it. But, um, um, the you know the answer to those two questions was much too long just to cover in a blog, and so that that's pretty much the primary reason that I wrote Financial Freedom, my book, was so I could break down in a very step-by-step way what I did and what other people can do uh, to to make this happen. Um, Within reason, I mean, I'm definitely a really extreme example of this strategy, but that doesn't mean that it doesn't, it can't and doesn't work for everybody. The idea yeah. is, is becoming more mindful with your spending, with how you're making money, and, and, and really starting to focus on your relationship with money uh, so that you can use it to, to do the awesome things and live the awesome life that you want. Great. We're going to take a break. This is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Grant Sabatier. Uh, His book is called Financial Freedom, A Proven Path to All the Money You'll Ever Need. His website is millennialmoney.com. We'll be back after this. Always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Many industries have been revolutionized by technology in the last decade. Books, music, TV, communications, and now it's happening to our money and the way we pay. Tune into Breaking Banks with Brett King for a look at how technology and customer behavior will bring about more changes in banking in the next 10 years than in the last 200 years. Listen every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific on Voice America Business Channel or on AM 1160 The Voice. You'll never look at your bank account the same again. Attention heroes, current and former firefighters, law enforcement, military, medical, or educational professionals. Heroes can receive rewards averaging over $2,500 when they buy, sell, or refinance a home. Heroes come first. Along with the Homes for Heroes is the nation's largest hero reward program. Their mission is to provide extraordinary savings to heroes who provide extraordinary services to our nation and its communities every day. Learn how you can purchase a home for no down payment, no closing costs, and get money back at closing. Find out how you can own for less than you may pay for rent. Get your hero rewards at heroescomefirst.com. That's heroes, H-E-R-O-E-S, comefirst.com, 888-437-6114. Jordan Goodman is an affiliate. He recognizes quality solutions, forming relationships to help improve the lives of his listeners. 
We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Grant Sabatier. He's the author of Financial Freedom, A Proven Path to All the Money You Will Ever Need, and his website is millennialmoney.com. Welcome back to the show, Grant. Hey, glad to be here. One of the key parts of your whole strategy is to do side hustles and to augment your income in many different ways. You have a chapter called More Money and Less Time. So let's just go through the process of figuring out what side hustles would be appropriate for you and then give us some examples of side hustles. So let's start with the process of what you call the evaluation framework for doing side hustles. Yeah, so just to clarify, side hustling, it's any way that you make money outside of your full-time job. And I think that's important to, to distinguish. Um, and on my own journey, I actually, the, the first year uh, after I left my parents' home, I made money 17 different ways. Wow. And uh, we, we can get into those if you want. But um, the key for me was side hustling to invest. And I think that's an important piece uh, of the strategy and of my story. So I invested uh, over 90% of the income that that I made on the side. And so my, I got that extra money that I was making, making money for me, uh, as opposed to just spending it. And so in the book, I walk through a very a step-by-step process for how to think about side hustling and how to find your own. And the important piece is that a lot of people think about side hustling wrong in the sense that, yes, you can go out and drive for Lyft, you can go out and drive for Uber, you can walk dogs, but there's a big difference between side hustling for someone else and side hustling for yourself. And that's the crazy thing now because a lot of people, they go out, they drive for Lyft, they drive for Uber, and they think that, oh, wow, you know, I'm able to make extra money on my own time. And yes, you are, but there's two huge limitations because – A, you only have so many hours in a day that you can walk dogs or drive for Lyft or drive for Uber, and B, your rates aren't set by you. They're set by the company, and so there's a big difference uh, side hustling for yourself, having your own dog walking company than, say, working for Rover. Um, And, you know, in, in the chapter, I talk about, you know, try to become the Uber of your life. And so, um, you know, Uber, they're not driving cars. They don't own cars. All they're doing is they're connecting people who need rides with people who want to give them. So they're a connector between supply and demand. And anyone can do this. And I talk about this guy, one of my readers, Matt, who's a 25-year-old. He reached out to me and he was making $16 a dog walk and said he wanted to make more money. And I said, you need to stop walking dogs for someone else and you need to start your own dog walking business. Fast forward a year, and he'd made over $250,000 from his dog walking side hustle because instead of selling his own time, he started selling his friends. He was a college student. He hired his friends to walk dogs uh, instead of him having to trade his own time for money. So that's, that's kind of the general idea, and then he invested as much of that money as possible. But really, the simple idea of how to pick a side hustle... Side hustles are valuable because not only do they help you make additional money, they're also a great way to build new skills 
and to test out entrepreneurship. So we live in such an all-or-nothing world where a lot of people think they need to you know, quit their job in order to become an entrepreneur. But side hustling is great because you can test things out. If you don't like doing something, you can try another side hustle. You're not taking that huge risk of getting rid of your primary source of income. And so the simple way to find a good side hustle is I encourage you to create just a simple list where you have, you know, just create a, take a piece of paper, put a line down the middle of it. And on the left side, write your hobbies and the things that you really like to do. And then on the right side, and you know, write down all of the skills that you have. And the idea is you want to look for overlap between the things that you like to do and the skills that you have. So maybe you like rock climbing and you're, uh, you know, and you're a graphic designer in your full-time job. Try to find a way to use your graphic design skills to help maybe a rock climbing company or a rock climbing magazine or start a rock climbing website. You know, finding ways to side hustle, it's always going to be easier to make money doing something that you enjoy doing. A, it's going to be a lot more fun, and B, it's going to be easier to keep going uh, if it gets tough. And then C, you're going to know that industry or that market or that area better. I see far too many people starting a side hustle or trying to start a side hustle where they end up wasting years of their life because they're just trying to copy someone else. And the whole idea is... A, life's too short to not enjoy what you're doing, and B, it's always going to be easier making money doing something that you enjoy doing. So try to find a way, try to find overlap between your interest and your skills. Um, that's a really important piece. And then start testing it out. Get How out can you there. use the internet, I mean, Google searches and so on, to see if there's a market for what you want to offer as a side hustle? Yeah, exactly. That's a great question, Jordan. So um, at the end of the day, no matter what you want to sell, you're only going to make money uh, with it if someone buys it. And so far too many people, they go out, they launch a side hustle, they put all this effort, they put a lot of money into it. That's an important piece. You don't want to start a side hustle that you have to put a lot of money down. That kind of defeats the purpose. And so what you want to do is you want to analyze the market opportunity. You want to get out and see first and foremost, this is the thing, no matter what entrepreneurial venture you have, taking the time to do the research on, you know, are people buying this thing that I want to offer? Are they buying it in my local community where I can sell it? Um, what's the competition like? You can learn an incredible amount just by analyzing the other people who are already selling what you want to sell. And I see this all the time. People are like, well, you know, no one's doing this idea. No one's selling what I want to sell. And you, you either, A, if that's the case, stumbled on a really incredible idea, but more than likely, there's a reason someone isn't selling it. It's probably because there's not a market for it. And so yep. you can do simple things like analyzing Google search volume, using Google Keyword Planner and Google Trends. Are searches for what you want to do going up or going down? Just doing a simple Google search now because Google searches are geolocated, so it's typically based in the area that you live, the results are, do a Google search for what you want to do. See what the top 10 results are. What are the companies? What are they charging? How are they selling their services? Does it look like they're growing? What kind of clients do they have? And then write all this down just in a simple spreadsheet or a simple Word doc, and then ask yourself the most important question. What can I do differently? 
And that I see far too many people, they start side hustles and because the mar- maybe more and more people are buying what they want to offer, but there's far too much competition. And because you're a little late to the game um, or you don't have something unique to offer, um, you, you've kind of lost before you've even started. Yeah, and so you have to have really, something unique. Yes, indeed. Have, have something unique is extremely important. And for most people, that's going to be your story. And so if there's bigger companies offering what you want to offer, it's going in and saying, hey, I'm Grant. You know, I just started my lawn care company. I know I'm the new guy on the street. Here's why I'm passionate about it. And that kind of self-starter narrative, um, if you actually have passion for something and you can convey that to people, people will buy from you. Um, and you don't just want to compete on price. I talk a lot about that in the book. You don't just want to be the cheapest option. You know, you want to look for what you can do differently. How can you add more value? And then go out and try to sell it. And the market give us an example you- too of people you maybe either that you did yourself or people that you've helped create side hustles that were successful. Maybe just an example or two. Yeah, so a good example is is that guy, Matt, with his dog walking business. He went out, and because he was able to walk dogs later in the evening, earlier in the morning, and had more options than the competition, he was able to win over the neighborhood where he was working. Um, He also launched a specialty service just for small dogs. And so even though the service wasn't that different because it was marketed as a dog walker for small dogs, he was able to get uh, some traction there. I have another friend. She was able to launch a lightweight clothing uh, company and camping company. And so she launched this business on Amazon where, you know, backpacking, she's part of that industry. She loves camping. She loves hiking. And she saw this opportunity to offer really like low cost, really high quality quality, lightweight camping gear. And so she went and just created her own company doing that uh, and makes about $6,000 per month on the side. Um, and the only way she was able to do that is because she knows the industry. She's, she's an enthusiast and she saw an opportunity uh, you know, in the market. So the real difference is between a traditional job or even Uber and Lyft is you're trading time for money and you're limited because you only have so much time versus a successful side hustle is one that leverages your time and creates passive income. Is that the difference between a successful and not such a successful side hustle? Yeah, that, that's one of the core pieces. Instead of trading your own time for money, you're trading other people's time. So you're hiring other people to do the work, no matter what it is. And that gives you, A, more hours in the day, and then B allows you to scale your side hustle up or down. And that's the thing we're not taught is we're often, you know, believe that if we launch a business, we just need to grow, 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 grow. But the beautiful thing about side hustling is that, you know, when you want extra money, you can grow to a certain degree. Uh, and, and when you feel comfortable and you don't want to grow or you don't want to trade more of your time, you can scale back. And that's what Matt did with his dog walking side hustle. He could have kept growing bigger and bigger and making more and more money, but but he makes $250,000 a year. He spends about 10 hours of, uh, a week on it and then you know, spends the rest of the time doing other things that he enjoys. He realizes he could make more money, but then he would have to trade more time, and he's just not willing to do that. And by taking the money you're earning from the side hustle and investing it, and we're going to talk about that next, you can create another separate passive income flow to support your lifestyle. Is, is that the idea? Absolutely. 
because then you're not just spending the money. Every dollar that you make, you know, is is making you money over a much longer period of time. Very good. We're going to take another break. This is Jordan Goodman of the Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Grant Sabatier. His new book is called Financial Freedom, A Proven Path to All the Money You'll Ever Need. And you can find out more at his website, millennialmoney.com. We'll be back after this. Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Do you or someone you love have a life insurance policy that's no longer needed or not affordable? Did you know that you can sell your policy for cash? Your reason for buying life insurance has probably changed. Thousands of Americans turn to life insurance settlements to help sell their policies. They act as your representative, getting the highest market offer for you. You've got nothing to lose by simply inquiring. If you're over 64 with $100,000 or more of life insurance, you may already qualify. Call 877-485-6681 to get your free non-binding appraisal or visit FundingLife.com. Life Insurance Settlements. Discover the true value of your life insurance. 877-485-6681. Jordan Goodman is an affiliate. He recognizes quality solutions, forming relationships to help improve the lives of his listeners. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour, Grant Sabatier, is author of a book called Financial Freedom, A Proven Path to All the Money You'll Ever Need. His website is millennialmoney.com. Welcome back to the show, Grant. Glad to be here. I'm having fun. So now we're making all this money from the side hustles. Let's invest it now. So you have a whole thing on stocks. Let's first do real estate. You have a whole chapter on what you say, how to turn $10,000 into millions using other people's money. Now, there's a lot of hype in that whole you know, flipping uh, world of real estate. But realistically, how can people make uh, significant money in real estate? Yeah, so uh, I didn't take the real estate route to become financially independent, but uh, you know, shortly after becoming financially independent and in writing the book, um, I've seen more and more success stories from people who use real estate to become financially independent you know, very quickly. And so without a doubt, I believe that real estate is the fastest path to financial independence. Um, a lot of it is through what's now known as house hacking. And the simple idea of house hacking, you know, there's nothing new to it. It's just a really nice name uh, for the idea of instead of, you know, 
renting a one bedroom or a studio or buying a one bedroom or a studio, um, you know, buying a three bedroom or a four bedroom or renting a three bedroom or four bedroom and renting out the other rooms, or in some cases, all of the rooms in order to offset the cost of your rent or cover the cost of your rent. You know, one woman, Heidi, uh, she lives in Omaha. Uh, she's a reader uh, of Millennial Money. She reached out to me and she rents a four bedroom apartment with a finished basement. And she actually lives in the finished basement and rents out the other four rooms uh, of her home. And she makes $1,700 a month on her living situation. And so in that case, you know, she's cut what is typically, uh, you know, an American's uh, biggest expense. You know, the average American spends, you know, upwards of 40, 50% on housing. She's cut that expense to zero and actually makes money on her living situation. This has allowed her now to save up enough money for a down payment. And she actually just bought a triplex. And so she's going to be renting out, she's going to be living in one of the units and renting out uh, the other two units. And so um, fastest path without a doubt in most cities, just having two or three properties, that money, um, you know, you have to remember that financial independence, you can either save up a big amount of money or you can create income producing assets like rental properties. Uh, and as long as that rental income covers your living expenses, you're financially independent. And so I'm seeing more and more people in every market in the US buy two, three, four properties over a period of you know five to seven years. And then the rental income uh, is more than enough uh, to cover their living expenses for life. And rent tends to go up with inflation, two to 3% per year. And so uh, there's that benefit. And then overall, why real estate is often a better investment than stocks is just because you can use leverage. You know, you can use the bank's money, other people's money. Of course, you want to do this in a responsible way. But the simple example I give in the book, say you have $10,000 to invest, you can go buy $10,000 of stocks, uh, of a stock. And, you know, based on the rule of 72, investing it in an index fund, you know, your money is going to double about every 10 years or so. So that $10,000 became $20,000 in 10 years and you've doubled your money you've made 10 grand if you sell the stock but with real estate say you take that $10,000 and you get a mortgage and you put a 5% down payment on a $200,000 home and in the next 10 years that $200,000 home goes up to $300,000 all of a sudden you know you've made uh, and you sell the home, you've made $100,000 uh, on your investment. So 10x on your $10,000 investment, which is better than just making $10,000. So um, that's a very simplistic example. There's obviously a lot of factors that, that that fall into it, but there are incredible tax advantages to owning real estate, you know, 1031 exchanges where, you know, you can just keep buying and selling rental properties. And because of a 1031 exchange, you can just pass off all of the profits uh, into the future, so you don't have to pay yep. tax until uh, you know you sell the properties, and you can actually you know, and and this actually goes away when you die, so you can just keep doing this like your entire life, and then when you pass away and your properties you know you, know, you give them to your kids or to someone else, uh, you know that 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 tax burden completely disappears, and so um, we've all seen the flip or flop you know, uh, you know, shows on television and, you know, you can make money in real estate buying and flipping or buying and holding. And in a lot of cases, buying and holding in most markets, you know, tends to be a little bit easier. And yeah. so, and you can get this down payment by house hacking and, you know, I, obviously there's more details to this, sure. but, um, 
man. Oh, it's very, uh, very helpful. Very helpful. Let, let's go go to stocks now. You you seem to be a big uh, index fund uh, fan. Why uh, should you do index funds or ETFs compared to individual stocks or, or actively managed funds? Yeah, so I mean, a lot of it comes down to how much time you want to spend investing. Um, you know, a lot of us have seen the data that you know most people who day trade or actively trade stocks, even he- you know hedge fund managers and professionals, they tend to not beat the stock market index. You know, uh, you know over a consistent period of five to to ten years, you can beat the S and P one year, every, you know, a couple of years, but you know continuing to beat the market consistently year over year uh, just rarely happens. And so, in a lot of cases, instead of trying to beat the beat the market, just invest in the market. And so, the great thing, you know, I talked earlier about how it's never been easier in history to make uh, make money to live a life you love. One of the big reasons is because now there are just so many great low-cost, high-quality investment options. And, uh, you know, obviously index funds, uh, low fees because there's not any active, uh, you know, kind of trading um, and great tax advantages and then diversification. I mean, if you invest all your money in one or two companies, those companies got a business, there goes your money. But if you invest a small piece in 2,000 companies, some are going to go out of business, some are going to thrive. And as long as you believe in the long long-term growth of the American economy, you know, you can participate in that entire growth by investing in something like a total stock market index fund or an S&P 500 index fund. But that that tends to be, you know, if that's all you do, that can get quite boring, where in some cases, boring is good. Just invest early, often, and as much as you can in a total stock market index fund. But for me, um, that that was pretty boring. And so I reserved 10% of my net worth to invest in individual stocks that I believe in, companies that I use. Uh, and so, you know, there's some companies just like, you know, Amazon, for example, when I started investing in 2010, um, I think Amazon's like a one in a generation investment. Um, and so I put money into that. And then, you know, Facebook, you know, went public in 2011. Uh, when I was in college, I was one of the first 20,000 Facebook users. My college was the second school to get it after Harvard. And so I'd been a user for a while, saw the, saw the huge potential there, so invested in it. And so I've supplemented my index fund investing with a couple of individual stocks, but I'm not like actively out there looking for individual stocks to invest in. Yeah. So that's kind of on the growth side. Uh, How about on the income side? Uh, You're trying to live off the income, passive income, with interest rates so low today on money market funds, even bonds at 2% or so. What do you do to generate uh, active income, which index funds for the most part do not do? Yeah. So, I mean, I have 100% of my investments uh, actively invested in stocks and equities. I've actually never owned bonds uh, ever. Um, I right now I'm at a point in my life where quote unquote, I've reached financial independence, but I'm still making money in some capacities, just certain things that I do make money. Um, I've sold some stock 
previously uh, and and use some of that to invest, uh, you know, in a property. But um, you know, right now I, I'm not in the drawdown withdraw phase uh, of of my life, and yeah. so. Once I get there, you know, I'd say five years from that time period, I certainly will be restructuring my portfolio to not be as equity heavy uh, and, and look into to more fixed income assets uh, in, in order to kind of get consistent, you know, preservation and cash flow and not have to be as reliant on, uh, on the swings in the market, at least for the first couple of years. You talk a lot about ta- maxing out on tax advantaged accounts. You find that a lot of people do not take full advantage of what's available to them? Absolutely. Um, it's just amazing how many people I talk to where you know you ask them if they're investing for retirement and they say yes, and then you say, well, how much? And you know they're only um, investing the three percent that they were defaulted into when they signed up for their 401k. And so they're investing three percent, they're getting a match. but you know, we haven't gotten into this, but one of the things I figured out uh, in in my research was that you know even more important than your income uh, is the percentage of your income that you're saving. So if you're you know the average American only saves three point two percent of their income, and when you're saving that little, you're literally never going to be able to retire. And yeah. so a lot of Americans, even you know, it's great the work that Richard Thaler did, University of Chicago Nobel Prize winning economist, um, you know, getting people to opt in and have to opt out of their 401k and getting that 3%, a lot of people think that's sufficient. And the numbers, you know, the numbers don't lie. And it's, it's just, it's really not. So not only are people not taking advantage of tax advantage accounts, they're just not investing enough, period. So what um, tax advantage accounts should they be taking advantage of that they, in many cases are not? Yeah, I mean, a 401k, if your company has one, um, a Roth IRA, a traditional IRA, if you have a side hustle launching what's known as a SEP IRA, um, any way that you can minimize uh, your taxable income and let that get that money growing, uh, and so you pay tax, you're deferring tax into the future, uh, is, is a really wise decision. Um, if you have a 403b, uh, if you work you know, for, for a school or you know, the, the ultimate account is what's known as a 457, uh, which, you know, you might have if you're a municipal worker. There are some private 457s, but, you know, there, there's a lot of nuances to this. And the, the tough thing, as you know, Jordan, um, you know, there's a lot of, the, you know, there's a, there's an investing vernacular. So, yeah. you know, we're throwing around these three, th- these three number names and all these things. And, you know, for the average investor, it, it gets confusing really, really quickly. And that's one of the reasons why in the book, I have kind of a do this, then that, then this, then that in yes. order to maximize you know, your, your tax efficiency. When you talk about the health savings account, where you can build up money for health expenses, just talk about that a little bit. People are probably not too aware of the HSAs. Yeah, the great thing, there's FSAs and HSAs. Uh, flexible. They're basically a way uh, that your employer, some employers allow you to put in money uh, pre-tax. So before, you know, income, you know, income before it's taxed into one of these accounts to offset or cover the cost of your health expenses. An FSA, a flexible spending account, um, you know, that companies have, you have to use that money within the year or you actually lose it 
you know, so it's kind of like whenever you go to the doctor, whatever you're buying prescriptions, you know, you'd use that money and you're getting the health benefit, uh, you know, pre-tax. But an HSA is like an early retirement secret weapon where, um, you know, the money that you don't spend each year, you can actually choose how you invest it and it keeps growing into the future. And so it's just like getting another type of retirement investment account. So down the road, you can use it for health expenses. Um, but you know, as you get older, you actually, there are more flexible options. So you can use that money, you know, as you get older, obviously, and you have more health issues, you've got this big pot of money that's grown uh, and you didn't have to pay, you know, you had, the, you had the tax advantages, you know, when you were able to put it in pre-tax. So an HSA is something that's really incredible. Most people don't take full advantage of it. And that's just, a, you know, one of the many options that you have in order to minimize the taxes that you're paying uh, today and, and get your money, more of your money. That's the key because you're paying less taxes now. Uh, you're getting more of your money to grow and compound over time. Very good. We're going to take another break. This is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Grant Sabatier. His book is called Financial Freedom, A Proven Path to All the Money You'll Ever Need. His website, where you can find out more, is millennialmoney.com. We'll be back after this. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Are you a homeowner tired of making monthly mortgage payments with little progress towards paying down your principal? Does paying off your home in five to seven years without making larger or more frequent payments sound appealing? Paying off your home in full in five to seven years is really possible thanks to Truth and Equity's Mortgage Equity Optimization System, a money management approach that puts your money to work for you 24-7. If you own a home with some equity, have a decent credit score and verifiable income, you owe it to yourself to learn more about Truth and Equity's program. There's no need to replace your mortgage or refinance in many cases. The system works for new home purchases as well as current mortgages. Your home is your largest investment. Own it outright in five to seven years. Call Truth and Equity, 888-262-5540 or visit truthandequity.com, 888-262-5540. Jordan Goodman is an affiliate. He recognizes quality solutions, forming relationships to help improve the lives of his listeners. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Grant Sabatier. His new book is called Financial Freedom, A Proven Path to All the Money You'll Ever Need. You can find out more at his website, millennialmoney.com. Welcome back to the show, Grant. Glad to be back. So we've talked about side hustles. We've talked about investing. A lot of what makes this successful is the kind of mindset that you need to be uh, an entrepreneur, side hustler. A lot of people coming out of school are, are taught to be employees. So let's talk about the difference between being an employee and being a successful side hustler, uh, fire kind of a person. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a good question. I think it's important to note that um, uh Everyone is an entrepreneur to some degree. Um, the key is figuring out 
what kind of entrepreneur you are, what you like doing. Um, I definitely don't want to hate on full-time employment. I actually, you know, as you know in the book, I'm a huge fan of having a full-time nine-to-five job, um, optimizing, you know, where you're currently making money, trying to make as much money as you can from your job. And, you know, I talk in the book about using your nine-to-five as a launch pad. Um, You know, a lot of people, like I mentioned, just kind of want to be an entrepreneur and then they quit the job and, you know, the whole idea with the book, with this philosophy, it's about making the most of your time and your, and, and, and your income opportunities by optimizing everything. And so this is one of the things where each little step, you know, in the book, I have over 800 steps that you can take. Um, every step's going to make a difference, but the sum is so much greater than the parts. And so as we've talked about in all these segments, you know, optimizing your full-time job to make sure that you're at least getting paid uh, your market rate. And that's the thing, man. Most companies, all they are, they're just legal pyramid schemes. You know, it's like everyone at the bottom is trading their time for money and your boss or your boss's boss, your shareholders, someone's making a return on your time. And so the whole idea is, capitalism, um, you know, scale, it's all built around getting the most out of your employees. And so when you know that, um, you need to go to bat for yourself and make sure that you're getting paid your market rate, which is what another company would pay someone with your skills and experience to do your job. And so from a mindset perspective, there's kind of, you know, kind of the scarcity, I'd say scarcity mindset, fear mindset. Most employees think they deserve a raise and they actually do, but they don't ask for one. You know, another thing, a lot of people think that if they ask for a raise or ask for too much, they're going to get fired. In most cases, you're not going to get fired. And the thing is, this is the thing about in the economy today, the power has shifted and a lot more employees actually have so much more leverage than they realize. And I talk about this in the book. It costs the average company 40 to 60% of an employee's annual salary to replace them, 40 to 60%. So if you're making $100,000, it costs your company 40 to $60,000 to find your replacement. And you think that you know they're not going to give you a $5,000 or $10,000 raise just to not even beyond what you're what you're doing to not have to replace you. And so there's this switch where, you know, you know, I talk a lot in the book about how money is infinite. You can always go out and make more money. You know, you can side hustle. There's always jobs you can get, but you can never give back your time. You yeah. know, this moment is all there, all there is. And so the idea of making the most of your time is making sure that not only are you getting paid a fair wage, but, the, but you're, you know, you're making as much money as you can for your time because your time is valuable. I mean, that's yep. that's an asset you can't get more of. And so I see far too many people who they, they, they just take what they're given. They don't ask for more. They don't strategize. We spend, you know, more time each year planning for our vacations uh, or watching sports or watching Netflix than we do optimizing our income and our career. Uh, you know, it's simple shifts like I can think of nothing that's going to have a bigger impact on the quality of your life than spending a little bit of time making sure that you're getting paid what you're worth, that you're building skills to increase your worth, and that you're going out and, you know, to your point, trying new ways to make money. 
Because if you've never made money on your own outside of a full-time job, I can tell you there are few things as exciting and exhilarating as going out and making that first $500 on your own when you didn't need your boss and you didn't need your company. And that that's incredibly empowering for most people. And you get a taste of it, and then you start going a little bit deeper. And you know, it, it's a shift from you know, you can either, uh, you know, be a part of someone else's pyramid scheme or create, you know, your own. And I'm saying, you know, you can obviously uh, do this in an ethical, uh, legal way and treat your employees fairly. Um, But yeah, you can either trade your own time for money. And if you're going to do that, make sure you're making as much money as you can for your time, or you can go out and broker other people's time. And then still, you want to make sure that you're getting the most out of your money. And that's a simple thing, even investing. Um, you know, a lot of people, they're just wasting time and they're wasting money because they're not investing. I mean, yeah. we all know how compounding interest works. We know that uh, if you invest your money over time, it's going to grow. So you're literally wasting time when you're not investing your money. And so there's this switch from instead of just getting what I've been given and taking what people will give me, I'm going to go out because this is my time. You know, the world's always going to try to take your money. They're going to try to take your time. Your boss is going to fill your time up with more meetings. Your clients are going to fill it up with more meetings. And it's up to you to figure out the way to make as much money for that time. And and at the end of the day, deciding what you're willing to trade it for. Because it's also not about making as much money as possible. It's about making sure that you're making the most of your time. So maybe it's worth it. If you if you have a job, and I talk about this in the book, one of my friends, he was a management consultant for one of the big consulting firms. He was making over $300,000 a year. He's like, hey, I'm making $300,000 a year, but he has to travel 40 weeks a year. When we actually did the calculation, because he's on the road so much, he's actually making only about $30 per hour. And had no life to himself, basically. And no life. Yeah, he has two little kids. After he saw that a month later, he quit his job. He got a job making $160,000, but he's able to take every Friday off. He can leave at three some days, and he's making about $40 per hour now, and he has to work less, and he spends more time with his kids. He's a lot happier. And so in that case, he's optimized. He's made the most of his time, which is something that you can't ever get back. So kind of summing this all up, what difference will it make in people's life to take the advice you give in financial freedom as opposed to the way most people run their lives today? Yeah, uh, you know, we, li- we live in a unique time where uh, people, you know, 10 years ago, 50 years ago, uh, they would be incredibly jealous of the opportunity that we have. Um, because of all the high-quality, low-cost investing options, the ways to side hustle, all of this information, it's never been easier in history to make enough money to live a life you love. But you got to do the work to figure out what kind of life that is and realize that everything's trade-offs. And in the book, I talk about how I had this realization when I realized that every $100 that I was saving, I was buying a week of freedom in the future. And I talk about how you can calculate this in the book, and I built a calculator later for it. But starting to think about your money in terms of the freedom that it can buy you. And, you know, Jordan, I can think of very few things in life where if you feel stuck with where you live, if you're stressed about your job and your boss, or maybe stressed about your relationship, I can think of very few things other than saving up, say, six months to a year of expenses to give you the freedom to quit that job and do something else, to move somewhere different, to get out of a relationship that you're unhappy with. Money truly is a pathway to freedom. 
freedom because it gives you more options, it gives you more space, and it gives you more time to, if you don't already already know what you want to do, it gives you some more time and space to figure that out. And this is the last thing. There's seven levels of financial freedom in the book. Financial freedom means something different to everybody. It's whatever helps you sleep at night. But I can tell you, once you save up that six months of expenses or that year of expenses or five years of expenses, with each level that you reach, you're going to be able to sleep a little better at night. You're going to feel more in control. You're going to feel less stress about money. And you're going to have the most important thing. You're going to have more options. And you're going to be in control of your life instead of having to wait for that next paycheck to make things happen. Terrific. Well, thanks so much. A very positive message at the end. And you help people actually make that happen. Uh, My guest this hour has been Grant Sabatier. His book is called Financial Freedom, A Proven Path to All the Money You'll Ever Need. His website is Millennial Money. You can see more about him and get lots of good tips there as well. Thanks so much for being a great guest on the Money Answer Show, Grant. Hey, thanks, Jordan, for having me. It's a pleasure to be on your show, and uh, I'll chat with you soon. Thanks so much. We'll be back next week with another edition of the Money Answer Show. Goodbye for now. Thank you for joining Jordan Goodman and the Money Answer Show. If you have a question for Jordan, please visit his website at www.moneyanswers.com. And be sure to tune in every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on Voice America Business. See you next week.